thoughts? Hey, Danny. Can you believe that is almost the end of July? More than half the year, seven twelfths of the year is almost gone. Can you believe that? This is this is that time of year where I, I both simultaneously cannot believe like how fast time flies, how fast the summer's gone, and simultaneously I'm so happy that I cannot keep track of how fast time flies. And <laughs> yeah, it's like, obviously you know why that is. Because? Because I have kids, and kids go back mm. to school once July is over. <laughs> and so, I, Wasn't it funny that literally I think we started this podcast, and they were just getting out of school, and now yeah. they're getting back into school, which is like, you were talking about the buildup and the run-up of literally being this father with 18 children, right. and, and they all get out, and they're all around you all the time. In fact, we, we heard some of them, some, some, some feet sometimes on the podcast right. as they right. run around, but now they're out, they're gone. Yeah, well, they're not they're not gone yet. And today oh. I'm at the office and I'm finally back back home and recording from our the highest quality possible experience that Danny can deliver. Uh, <laughs> no more being in a Tucson hotel, smooth sounds of Rob Thomas, um, you know, but the kids going back to school. So you, you, we're spending time right now. That's what's new in my world. Getting back to school supplies. We're very excited because Hazel, the five year old, is starting kindergarten. Ooh, um, nice. And, you know, she's super excited. Hazel was born for school. She is going to be the teacher's pet people pleaser. She is so excited. Um, so Hazel's starting school. Warner's going into fourth grade. Nasher's going into seventh grade. So, you know, we're, we're busy getting the kids ready to go back. And, and, um, it, it, from my, my, me and my wife's perspective, like the structure of school provides some stability that it's really not all jokes aside as I, as I uh, said with you before, I, you know, I pretend to play a horribly uh, resentful parent in, in this podcast, but obviously it's not true. I, I, I probably love my kids too much. You know, I've I never, probably can dial it I, down. I have never met a father that has loved his kids more than you love your kids. Well, thank you. And so <laughs> let's say, let's say I love them so much that I should re, I should put myself in check. So, so as I pretend to be a resentful father, I will say that the structure school provides is really nice, and it's not just about the the education and the time, but it just, life is like really busy when you have to keep kids entertained. And like, they're, you know, they're, they're so demanding. Like, I mean, in, in a good way, they're just like, you gotta, you gotta do things with them. And, and, yeah. um, obviously it's not a got to, I don't think anybody ever looks back at their life and says, you know what? I spent way too much time with my kids, you know? So I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm fully aware that I will one day be, you know, pushing my older years. And I'm certainly not going to look back and say, you know what, Danny, you really screwed up. You spent way too much time with your kids. Yeah. Um, now, I got to ask you, going back to school, I think I remember, like, do you get the list? Is it like you get a list from the school? Oh, yeah. Is it like you need a backpack, a lunchbox, a pen, yeah. a pencil? It's got Kleenex. You, go through that. Yeah. you know, these days they've got Kleenex, the hand sanitizer. Um, we just got Agent our list spinners. for the kids. Kleenex hand sanitizer, um, a calculator for now. She's moving into like higher level math. Mm -hmm. So, that, you know, and then you've got, you know, whatever you got the basics and, you know, we, you know, we always try to make school sort of an exciting endeavor in the house, get the kids some new clothes and, you know, maybe new shoes. And, you know, you want them to be, you know, looking forward to this, to this, uh, the next grade and the challenges it will bring. And one way to trick your kids into being excited about learning is to get them stuff they like. That's just a pro tip. Yeah. Hashtag parenting pro tip. I always get would get excited going back to school because not only would I get to go like to like Target or Walmart or wherever I was going to get my school supplies, 
But to me, it was cool because it was like I was crafting my brand and identity for that year, right. you know, through your Trapper Keeper, through your whatever your Trapper Keeper was. Was your was it ter- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles this year? Was it like you know oh, I'm going to go with a solid red color? All, you know, like why do I not have it? Why do I not find it hard to believe that you would be thinking about crafting your brand's identity at the age of uh, eight? I mean, that is like a legitimate thing that Mots would be doing. So yeah. <laughs> You are you for that year, and then it, you, you're kicking off that year. In, like, what's the backpack? What color is it? What style is it? Right. You know, and you don't have a lot of decisions, you know, going into school. Usually, like, you're going, you know, shopping for clothes with your parents that are approving stuff and all this stuff. But, like, that time of year when you're going through those aisles and you're picking out your folders and your binders, like, you are really crafting your identity when you think about it. Like, who are you going to be for that year? It was one of my favorite times, you know, to kick off a school year. Like, did I dread going back to school? Yeah, I did. Like, I like school, yes, and, you know, here and there. But, like right. it was cool because I was like, this is all my stuff. And like, I get to pick out, this is my gear. You know, right. I think about like, if I'm going hiking or I'm doing this, or I'm like these life decisions that I have now. It's like, oh, that, would, that, that was me making life decisions back then. So like, right. I'm just imagining you bringing these four little tykes and they're just like all in their own little brand identity worlds. And that's how I want you to look at it, Danny. Like no, who it, are they crafting as their brand for the first next? First of all, this has been the most amazing conversation ever about taking your kids shopping. I, <laughs> I'm serious about that. The the crafting of their brand identity has been going with Nash for a while. I mean, he he he's got his look and his thing, you know, that he does. Um, mm-hmm. And Warner, I think, just has been that kid who just kind of rolls out of bed, like, all right, cool, what are we doing today, right? But I think he's starting to get that age where there's definitely going to be some effort and some thought put into that. Hazel was just born that way. Hazel is the kid who you people always ask is girls harder than boys. Hazel is she. It, it, the conversations are like. You know, you know, Hazel, what's wrong? Like, and, and it's freaking out over like, you know, not being able to find like the right pair of pants that matches something. And I'm not, it's not even a stereotype, but she just, she cares as a girl. She cares so much more about how she looks and feels in every single second than the boys ever did. And I swear to God, like she is just going to be, I, I don't know what kind of tantrums we're in for, but I have a hard time believing that we will make it through this year without at least a few meltdowns. We should make a, you know, hazel meltdown over under a few <laughs> meltdowns over something that, you know, it's just like nothing your parents can do about it. There's that there's that meltdown where you literally have nothing to offer the situation. And what I do in those cases, I actually I, I, I this is my parenting strategy. I literally talk to her like Hazel, like you have to choose to be happy right now. You have to yeah. choose to be out of this right now because there's nothing anybody can do for you. You have to choose to stop being upset about this because there's nothing I can do. Are you going to make that choice? Or are you going to make the choice to continue to be upset? But it's your choice mm-hmm. either way. And like, that's kind of how I have to talk to her because she just like loses it. Yeah. That's you know? interesting. I like that. I mean, I like that. Like, I like that, that kind of going down the route. You are going to make the choice. Like this is, you can continue down this path. It's a, it's a spiral. I see you spiraling right. out of control, but you can right now make a decision to right. do X, Y, Z, you know what I mean? Which is kind of cool. I like that. Now, yeah. one question before we continue on, I got to ask about the calculators because to me growing up, a calculator was a big decision in my life and really helped craft me become a math like nerd. Really? I love math. Right. I love calculators, programming little games on it, stuff like that. Is it still the TI 83 plus? Is that like, is that the world that we're still living in? The Texas instruments? Yep. That's, that's still, I mean, I think there's slightly newer models. If I, I remember kind of what we have, but that's basically it. Yeah. I mean, you get that fully, the fully robust calculator, you know, mm-hmm. that can take you through junior high and high school, you know, it's so um, good. It's still good. That's still the deal. Listeners and, write in. What was your first calculator for a you know, graphing calculator? TI 83 
Plus, I believe, because the Plus had some extra RAM, and you could ru- you'd run games like like Drug Wars or whatever, where you're buying and you thought you were so cool because you were buying and selling like shrooms or something like that right. on your TI-83 Plus calculator. And then you would like, all right, now I'm going to play Space Invaders, and you were the right. coolest kid instead of taking your test. But then yeah. you know that that was me. Yeah, I I think uh, I think the first version we got for Netflix was not quite that level. It was a Texas Instruments, um, but not not quite. I don't even remember the model, but it wasn't the fully you know the programmable one like that. But but he's getting into that, and uh, I'm pretty sure that is the exact one we were actually told to get. So I love um, it. I love it. There you go. Yeah, calculate. So let's talk about what's new with you because what I hear oh, a birdie tells me that you're you're on the hunt for something. I am on the hunt. You know, my favorite show is uh, multiple shows are my favorite, but House Hunters, Addiction and Property Brothers. I love a good going out, trying to get a house. Can't really find a house. Maybe I got to redo this one. I don't know. Um, right. there, I love HGTV. I am addicted. I'm also into the I've been watching The Prophet, which if you like Shark Tank, The Prophet is like the opposite of, of the pitch. It's like this, this is a company that is essentially like having trouble. So this guy goes in and he's like, I'm a slap down 200 grand and try to fix your company. Dude, I actually that. just saw when I was in New York, um, at the beginning of June for that, the pro-am event that we talked about with the athletes at the player's tribune office, oh, yeah, yeah. There, were, there were signs everywhere about the profit that the guy, and I hadn't seen it, but Mike, who was there with me, he told me all about that. He really likes it. I think the profit seems to be the direction people like, whereas Shark Tank, Shark Tank seems to be being a, even a little bit more over the top with like some of the stuff, but the profit, he really gets in there and goes hands on. And what I've heard Mike say is that he actually learns things about evaluating businesses and the way this guy approaches like turning things around. It's actually instructive. Yeah, it's super good. Like some of the things are like the franchise or like there was this one where he's like, all right, we're going to change the entire name. And like, we're going to, we're going to change the whole company. It's like, you know, you're like, you're like, you're good people, but you're in the wrong product. Right. You know, and they're like, you're really close, but you're a little bit off, you know, right. um, it's really, it's, it's super fun. You can watch on Hulu. Um, and leading into not only just, you know, learning about businesses as I'm always trying to, you know, create my own little business, but house hunting, uh, Heather and I've been, we've been searching around this crazy Seattle market and I've been going through some learning, I would say of, uh, of attempting to find a house in this market, learning about loans, learning about mortgages, mm-hmm. pre-approvals, submitting your entire life history to some person on the internet that you have no idea what you know loan yep. company they work for or what they're doing. Yep. Uh, it's been a little fun adventure, I would say. We're serious, but not like in a rush, which I think is right. really good. Well, you're and what about the right way then? You know, you're going to get pre-approved mm-hmm. first. You know, yeah, we're we're doing the process of. I tweeted, I tweeted, how do you buy a house? That was my my tweet. I should find it. And a lot of responses were like, uh, prime now, <laughs> just like you're prime now, just prime now. It. Um, and someone said, spend a bunch of money, spend more money, keep spending money, um, regret all of your decisions, right. which I thought was funny, but we're, we're taking it serious. We're taking a long, you know, long, hard look at it where we want to look for like walkability being close to downtown, but also walkability to great coffee has been, we found a place that we thought was going to go great. I think it went more for them what we were comfortable with, but literally one block away, a little great coffee nook. And I think it's really important when you're house hunting. And I want to give this as a pro tip to all of our listeners that when you're looking for a house, not only is walkability or drivability to a grocery store, to school or whatever important, but really when you think about life, um, and you think <laughs> I about- love I'm just waiting. Keep going. I love it. <laughs> when you think about life, and you think about what are the things that you enjoy. You love your family. You love, you, you know, you work. You love, you know, spending time with, with, with people in your life, friends and family. But you really spend a lot of time over a good cup of joe. Honestly, having, I mean, you may spend more time with a cup of joe 
than you do with people, depending on the type of Joe or Joe, Joe guy or gal you are. Exactly. So when you think about buying a house, pro tip, make sure that not only is there one coffee shop, but maybe two coffee shops that are in great walking di- distance. And that's what maybe, we've been maybe doing. Maybe just buy a coffee shop and well, let people come to you, right? Ooh, and, I mean, hey, Flip the script. The profit by Danny. The profit by Danny, right? So we figure you have the, you know, we have you as the people. We have the product, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. I, uh, you know, you guys are in a good position because you're you're trying to figure out. You get to kind of do that sort of hipster house picking, right? You want to be in a vibe you like. You want to have good coffee, walk, you know, walkable. You know, you want to be close enough to downtown. You know, I I want my dream is 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 an environment like that that also is like there's like a secluded area where you can like lock up all the kids at night. Right. Yeah. So yeah. then you can go like you can kind of do maybe some bar hopping if you got friends in town and you're just looking for a good time. And then you've also got your coffee after the kids leave for school. You know, mm-hmm. you walk down the street. You'd be that guy who opens the paper and sits in the same chair every day. And um, anyway, I just sorry. Right, I'm just I blacked I, out. I was, I was emphasizing. Go ahead. I want these pro tips. Right. I want people. I'm sure we have listeners that have purchased a pro tips. Send them, send them our way. You can go to blunders.fm, send us an email. We've been getting lots of good listener feedback, um, in general. But yeah, let it, let us know. I'm so interested because it's been quite a long time. I got a nice down payment ready to go, but the Seattle, the housing market is absolutely bananas, but we're going to take our time. We're going to find something that we love with all these requirements, but it's been fun. I think the most fun part is just interacting with these people, looking at houses, there's so many different shapes and sizes and, and structures. We found this crazy one with like a loft and then a rooftop. It's just really interesting because I'm used to going into apartments and renting apartments or condos and they're very, very similar. You know, it's like, here's a box and here's a room in that box and there's a workout area, you know, whereas when you're looking at houses, you're really thinking of this potential. So when I walk into a house, I think about not only is our current life going to fit into it, but where else does this go, right? right. Does this, like, where's our little Shiba Inu that's going to be running around? Or where's this, you know, uh, you know, like, are we going to get a car? Are we going to get like a moped? Like, how are we going to entrench right. our life? You know what I mean? That's how I think about it. I don't know. That's, you know, that's it is. I mean, that's where making it, you know, it's all getting a house. People say is like, you spend money, spend more money, and then you know, regret all your decisions, right? I can say as a homeowner, it's a, you, you are always looking to kind of fix up things and things break and, and you gotta, you gotta handle it and all that stuff. But it's also, I mean, in my, in my position, not really any other option, you know, we're kind of committed and you want to, you want to make sure that you have, uh, you do things as you can. Um, I'm not really big on remodeling your house and that you have to live in like the nicest, newest house. A lot of people on the West Coast, like they like to buy land and build, mm. you know, like, cause yeah. they can do that where you can on the East Coast. I'm not really, to me, a house is kind of like a car in the sense that it's supposed to fulfill a purpose for people to like live and use. And then you're done. Like once we're done, I would rather like me and Shauna, like kind of like, you know, live like kind of a small, convenient life, you know? Um, yeah. Rather than uh, a perfect home, but th- okay, that's digressing into too much uh, philosophical uh, discussion. <laughs> no, it, it, so it was like me being in that penthouse suite in the Venetian. I don't need this. Just give me a bed. Just give me a bed. <laughs> right. Absolutely. You well, know. you mentioned listener feedback. We've got some. We got actually. Oh, we got right. a whole lot. Actually, we had to pick and choose this. Right. I, love I mean. It. I mean, that's that's kind of where we want to be. Right. I mean, some mm-hmm. people want to be. Um. I. I. Any. I. Some people want to be other places. This is where we want to be. Um, so we got a message from Ryan. Yep. Ryan, Ryan Roddy, 887. He, he loves the podcast. 
Uh, been getting to it uh, to and from work. Love that. I uh, found us through Danny's Chess.com broadcast. Awesome. Um, he asked me first a question about Chessable. I'll just quickly say Chessable's fantastic. I don't want to get too much into the specifics of Chessable right now because I think that's a little bit too chess specific for other, for kind of the other people that listen to the podcast. But if you're asking what to do, I think, I think, uh, uh, use Chessable. It's awesome. I think it's a cool learning experience. Chess.com is building similar stuff and I think it's a cool way to train and interact. I can get into a lot of the pros and cons of how to balance that, but that's later. I want to get to the next one. He says, uh, he says he, he, he got into chess in his first year of college and became addicted to chess. And since 2013, this is where we need to have a kind of a life sit down conversation, Ryan. Mm-hmm. He says, I have, since 2013, he has played 22,000 games on chess.com. It's a lot now, of chess. I'm, I'm here to tell you that is a lot of chess. And, you know, what else you could have been doing with that time in college, I don't know. I'm not going to suggest anything, but that seems like a lot of chess, dude. So, um, uh, first of all, thanks for playing those games on chess.com. But seriously, he says <laughs> that we frequently slide into several hour sessions just playing. He'd love to hear our comments on this type of addiction. Honestly, we get contacted by, uh, you know, different organizations, often universe, like MIT contacted us. I'm pretty sure, um, see another another good data driven kind of university on the west coast contact us we get contacted often about our stats and our data and how many people play games on our site because they know we have two million games played every day mm-hmm. and they ask about the you know the addictions of chess and and whether it's good for addictive personalities and how does it you know um you know what does chess do with if, if so with that many games being played on the site it's interesting. We, you know, I don't want to get into that a lot, but I just want to say that that is actually a question we get a lot about how people deal with their addiction to just playing chess for hours and hours and hours. Um, even me, like, like honestly, Mots, like I don't play chess at the end of my workday anymore, like I used to, unless I'm doing a show. Because if I lose like a few games to start, like I'm committed. And now I end up yeah, playing for like yeah. two hours because I'm totally pissed off. And then like Sean is texting me like, "Where are you for dinner?" <laughs> like you know, and then she's mad at me, and. And then I and I never leave feeling good. Honestly, there is like some truth to like it doesn't make me feel good to lose a bunch of games and then spend a couple hours playing chess. Like I want to play when I'm really like enjoying it and focused. And and I think that I would recommend people play chess when they know they have a couple hours, not as a quick fix. That's how you avoid those sort of negative associated feelings of losing a competition or something where you feel like okay, now I either can't quit because I don't want to lose my games and my rating points. Or, um, or I am going to quit and I'm going to be kind of upset and pissed off about what happened, right? So yeah. now when I play, if I'm in the mood to play that day, I try to play in the beginning of my day and kind of postpone work and kind of ease into it rather than playing at the end of my day. That's, that's one, you know, kind of tip I have. Or I play really at the end of my day after I've had a few drinks, if you know what I'm saying, and I don't really <laughs> care and I'm just there to have some fun. You know, those are kind of my, my, my best times for Danny to play. You know, late at night, really don't care or, or uh, first thing in the morning, avoiding and, that addictive cycle. And this this kind of addiction, I mean, I will tell you, when I started going to college, World of Warcraft was all the rage and still kind of is to an extent. And I remember you can do like slash time or slash length or something like that. And it'll tell you how much time you've played. And I remember right. one time I go slash time and it's like you've played for like 128 hours or something like that. I'm like, I've literally sat in front of this computer for three weeks, you know, like work weeks or whatever, you know? And ICC, ICC, one of the original internet chess servers, are still around Mm -hmm. and people use it and it's great. And um, 
I think we have the similar stats, but ICC will actually break it down based on your age. I'm pretty sure they tell you, like, you've spent 10% of your life on the Internet Chess Club, you yeah, know, which is, like, it's scary. It's crazy. Yeah. and But, you know, it's like anything. As long as you're enjoying it and it's not overtaking parts of your life where it becomes an unhealthy addiction, I think it's okay to play a few hours here and there. Because when I play games or I get really into Zelda, like, I'm sucked in for multiple hours. Or how I play chess.com is I like to do the daily, like, three-day, you know, I can make a move here, move there. When I actually do live chess, how I do it, how I found it is that I like to at least commit um, not just to one game, because if I do one game and then I lose, then I'm in kind of like a bad mood, especially if someone mates me in like five moves because I'm an idiot, which we've seen multiple times happened to me again recently. And uh, and and I'm learning. But that's the thing is, like, I'll go through and I remember you're learning. You're never losing if you're learning. Exactly. And I sent you this game on our hangout. Yeah, yeah, I sent you your, your sweet comeback. My sweet comment, I was down so bad and I had a hard time mating this person, but I ended up getting like two additional Queens and like, you know, getting my pawns up the board and, um, and it was like an epic comeback. And I was like, you know what? I feel great. I'm done. You know what I mean? It was That's like one of those things. Do. Yeah. You should quit on a high note. Don't play unless you're ready to commit and, you know, don't get into that vicious cycle where you feel like you're, you know, you start caring about basically, as you say, like a mythical magical number. It's like world of Warcraft, even though chess is, a little bit different you know it's a it's a you know worldwide you know respected game it's like its own language you, you know you can play in tournaments and there's definitely i would like to think chess is respected in, in some demographics more than like video games is but okay mm-hmm. the point is like the the feelings associated with a negative run can be really tough and yeah. people will spend hours and i you know twenty two thousand games on the site ryan has spent a that is in the top that is in the top percentile of how many games played on our site for sure. And that is amazing. And I'm so glad Ryan is a member. And I'm also like, wow, that's way more than I played. How many games have I played? <laughs> that's a good question. Go Let's look go it up. Fun. Let's, Let's go, go find out while you're, while you're talking. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Yeah. While you look that up, I'll, I'll try to address his other question, which was that, he, that Ryan also really likes the tech portion. We love to intermingle the tech and chess and coffee talk here. And he was right. just interested in my take on Elon, uh, Elon Musk and Tesla and SpaceX and all of his other ventures like X.com, um, which he just purchased for a large amount of money. And I think if you go to X.com, which everyone should, I oh, know it's, is it X.com? X.com. Calm, right? I'm looking this up currently. Uh, yeah, Elon Musk owned it. Like now there's like something, but it's literally just like it says X in the top, like right, like PayPal sold it back to him. Anyways, Elon Musk, I love the guy. Actually, um, I think he comes up with some brilliant, awesome ideas. I've ridden in many Teslas. I've thought about pre-ordering a Tesla. I don't need a car, but I thought about pre-ordering one of the new Model um, S's or Model 3's, I mean. And I don't know, I think like this, like our space race, like we should keep going. Like we need these people that are out there that are thinking outside the box, but also pushing, pushing this technology further, right? If you think of Tesla's, yes, it's for electric cars, but it's the cell, the battery technology, and where else can that take us into our homes, into XYZ, like where's those next things? Um, the Hyperloop, which I think is a brilliant idea. I want to move people around as fast as humanly possible. I, I agree. And, I love that one as being one of the top ones. I think that's really important as we move forward. Why can't you get from New York to London in two, two hours? You should be able to. It, you should possible. be able to move people. Yeah, it's possible. Right. Move people faster. And yeah, I mean, these are the types of things like, yes, we need quantum computing. We need all the, we need lots of tech and we need computer. We need absolutely all this stuff. But we also need these revolutionary breakthroughs in hardware, in, in other ideas. And, and yeah, to get into space. I mean, I sat in, Heather and I, we were watching the NASA has a feed where you can just watch space, space men and women in space. 
like in in there and we like just sat just, there and watched them being they're just spacing it out they're spacing it up there was know? a one he was doing a selfie he was like in space in the international space station he was out doing a, a walk and he's space just like take the camera off it's crazy it's in 4k it is bananas to even think that we're streaming 4k space people from the international space station bananas so basically he's you know so your your, your take on it is you're just you're fully supportive of the direction and kind of the need for all, a lot of this stuff that elon musk has got his hands in basically yeah and i think that there's there's going to be different people of that status that are looking to solve different problems right. i like that bill and melinda are and on other entrepreneurs too and other other business people are, are looking to, to solve things like malaria and, and childbirth issues and third world countries and things like that like all that is good like like all of these things that people are doing, it doesn't all have to be technical. It could be solving very simple problems to very more complex problems. I'm glad there's people out there doing it. You know what I mean? And and I'm I love you know m- making the human race, um, whether it's solving um, going to space or going to Mars or, or starting up colonies somewhere, or is it just solving malaria? Right? Like how can we create the best net to mm-hmm. that you can sleep under when you go to sleep when you're out in some of these countries? Um, all of these things are great too about people who quite literally put their money where their mouth is. You know, mm-hmm. I think there's yeah, totally. a lot of, a lot of things and a lot of people that grow into positions of, of power or influence, whether it be through fame, you know, uh, whether that's through Hollywood fame or sport fame or, you know, political fame. And, and I, you don't want to call out anybody, right. But there's been a lot of people that have been sort of called out about, you know, their movements toward fixing global warming and the way they live their lives are, you know, just quite frankly, hypocritical, right. Or at least not really conducive toward the problem they're being outspoken to solve or, mm-hmm. you know, people that say, you know, how important it is to be philanthropic and to give outside of, you know, something that is, if you think about how much money someone really needs after a certain number and, and, and you really don't need that kind of money. Right. And I think that it's something, it's something awesome to see Elon Musk. I have to say, and we're talking about Elon specifically, I think, I think Zuckerberg is getting into this category. I've really liked some of the decisions and things that he's been, um, over the last few years, his commitment, as far as what he's going to be doing with his wealth. But I think Elon Musk, as far as, if you want to say the Silicon Valley godfathers, right? I mean, Elon Musk is one of the original Silicon Valley billionaires right and mm-hmm. and he's a godfather in terms of the tech industry and what has grown into i would i would think it's pretty fair to say that musk is probably the number one guy of like putting his money where his mouth is he is always on the line with his endeavors investing his own capital mm-hmm. and it makes you just really respect him right and not to say the guys like peter thiel others don't I, everyone has their things but i feel like elon musk has sort of been like He's really been an example of like, holy shenanigans. Like this guy is dead serious about his investment in the future of humanity and what he's passionate about. And he's like, he's on the line all the time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So about oh, it. by the way, so I did some research while you were talking. So Ryan, mm-hmm. just to put people, to give people some perspective about Ryan. Okay. Uh, we love Ryan. Okay. Ryan has spent a lot of time on chess.com. Uh, me, international master Danny Wrench, one of the owners of the site, has been there from the beginning. I'm not a co-founder, but I've been there from the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, he said he joined in 2013. I've been there since 2007, like really since the site was live, or at least 2008. I have played a total of 10,862 games. He's doubled it. He's doubled it. I added up, I added up the different time controls, okay? And that's over the entire course of the site. 
And, you know, that's in, you know, over, what is it now? We're going on like 10 years, right? And and Ryan has played 22,000 games on the site in like three years, four years, right? Pretty so good. that just tells you the amount of time he has spent on the site. So anyway, just wanted to give some perspective there about why chess and technology is ruining our lives, because that's a great transition into uh, what Mats is going to hit us with today. Now we now we see how chess can be one of those technologies. What are it you going to hit us with well, in so regards to technology? It's crazy. So last night, this is a true story. I we get back from where did we go last night? We oh we were we were talking about loans. We went out. We went out and got some sushi, sushi. and we got we got some sushi. So good. And uh, we got back home. And I go to Heather. I go. I go, babe. I'll, I'll be right back. I got to go across the street. There's a Pokemon raid happening right now. <laughs> I'll be right back. I'll be right I'm back. So, I'm so that was a genuine. I had no idea what you were going to say right there. You said, "Babe, I got to go across the street. There's a Pokemon raid happening right now." There's oh a- my, like, w- like when do you ever self reflect on yourself of how far you're nerding out, or is that a you know is that something you just let other people do? So I felt really good when I went outside <laughs> and I crossed the street, and there was 17 other people in a small neighborhood. Not like in downtown Seattle, in a small neighborhood on the outskirts of Seattle, right? Sitting outside of a building, all waiting for us to start a raid together. It's just amazing, right? These were all sorts of people. There was either thirty somethings, there was men, there was women, there was parents, there was children. We all came together because Pokemon Go brought in this whole raid concept of joining together to try to beat these legendary Pokemon and capture them. And we all sat for like a half an hour together, planning, strategic, learning about each other. What level are you? What Pokemon are you bringing in? Blah, blah, blah. Like, how many raids have you been on? Like all this stuff. And uh, this started just like a few a few weeks ago or a month ago or so. And I didn't realize how crazy and awesome it was and how all I want to do is travel around because they're time. Like the raids are only in each area for like a certain amount of time. Right. And then they're gone to get these like legendary Pokemon and uh, we won, which is awesome by the way. And I literally texted Heather and I go, and when I got out there, I was like, I was like, just to let you know, babe, like we're about to start a raid. There's like 15 of us. Like hopefully it won't take too long. Just letting you just, know. And she just goes, like, did you like, just if I don't, if you, if I don't come back, I want you to know that I love you. Right. You're like, if I don't make it out of this one, I want you to know what I never said was dot, dot, dot. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And, and, and she just laughed. She took it as a, she, it was good. You know, she laughed. I was right. back 45 minutes later. I brought her back some hummus and some pretzels. Okay. And, uh, and and we giggled together about it, but I, I'm like I'm back. I'm addicted. Like I, you know about my Magikarp addiction. Now I'm back on the Pogo, and um, it's been fun. I've been walking around campus trying to hatch some eggs, trying to play Pokemon, and it's back. But at the same time, it's crazy because still after a whole year of Pogo, they're still running into issues. They had this big Pokemon Go Fest where like people came out trying to capture all these, you know. Um, legendaries and like do this big thing together and just the servers got like absolutely destroyed and people got booed on stage and like they had to refund all this money and give people in-game credit and like i feel bad about it but at the same time like come on like niantic get your crap together but i will say if you have if you played pogo a while ago and you haven't in a while get back into because they've added so many new pokemon and all these different elements it's good i mean i am I'm so, hooked again. I'm, so, I'm, yes, I'm I, I understand. Like all jokes aside, I, I think you're 
given that I initially started with kind of making fun of you about nerding out or whatever, you might think I'm, I was going to continue to have that tone. But no, I mean, the truth is, I think that this is kind of a funny thing, because if it's if it becomes a social event mm-hmm. and Pokemon is bringing people together, to me, that's fun. And that, you know, as usually the irony of this part of our podcast is, technology is both ruining our lives and making it better, right? And I yeah. think this is kind of cool that you came together with a bunch of friends and did something kind of, you know, you, you dorked out together. Great. Yeah. I love it. But let me ask you something about this game. So I, okay. I get the cool part or I get the addictive part of gathering, right? Mm-hmm. I get the engaging part of like that social aspect. There's other people that are also like searching for them with you and the Pokemon Go. But what I don't understand is why don't like the developers of the game make it like the kind of thing that like transcends into like culture and like makes people change their lives for it. Example, why not put like a legendary Pokemon in Antarctica, yeah. right? And make it public. Or why not like in the middle of the forest? Why isn't there like a Pokemon and his GPS location revealed and P- and it becomes a tourist location and show people like this is the kind of power they have. People start adding this stop on their way just to collect this one Pokemon because you can only get it at the Grand Canyon or something. So like, they've been they've been talking about, about this. They've been talking. Okay. Um, I swear. So so there's two things with Pogo. Okay. So first is that there's the just collection part of it, which I always thought brought people together, but not interacting with each other because there'd be like, oh, there's a bunch of re- like this is a really popular Pokemon area. So people would just be walking around. We were in Bellevue right. one time, and people right. just like hundreds of people were walking around, but and no one's talking. Hit by to cars, other. right? Knocking exactly. over old ladies. The normal stuff you do when you're yeah. getting Pokemon. Now, the raids are in specific areas in the gyms, which are stationary, which aren't moving. So you all gather together and you're communicating like, let's all start this together. and We're doing this. We're doing that. And uh, which is fun. Now, I will say that there was always rumors about specific legendaries or certain Pokemon being like inside of caves or in certain certain like areas and like Machu Picchu or something like that. You know, something crazy. Right. Um, I'm not sure, though, to be honest with you, but I think that they try to a little bit. I think there's real potential there. And like, I'm interested to see how it will grow. And right now we're not even battling people, right? We're not like, like I couldn't challenge you to a Pokemon battle. Right. I think we're going to get there. They're just not ready yet. Right. I want to battle you. And I mean, I don't even play this game. I'm like, I'm thinking about it, but yeah, I would love if there was a game and then not only, not only one that you could get in a GPS location that was like significant or difficult and was public to people, but, but made people go out of their way. But then maybe like you, if you battle there, you get extra stuff only if the battle goes down there, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm just, why am I even in it? I literally have nothing to do with this game. The only thing I ever heard about a raid was on the news where like they somehow stationed a raid like next to a strip club and a bunch of kids went into the wrong door and went into like the strip club. This happened in Arizona somewhere, I think. Probably, yeah. Um, you know, so anyway, those are like the negative press I get when your Pokemon, you and your fellow Pokemon goers are um, are getting thrown under the bus, right? Well, have you, have you ever have you ever heard of geocaching? Yeah, yeah, you told me about this, and I know a lot of people do it. Yeah. I know there's some cool geocache. It's similar, right, in, in the sense that it's, you know, GPS location-based game, and it's a collection and kind of gather game, right? Yeah, so you go out, you, you, and, like, geocaching has been around for a long time. I've been caching for, like, 10 years or so since I live back in Phoenix, and I used to go out with Lucan, actually, we used to do it too. But, um, so the difference is that these are placed by, sometimes by the company, but there's, like, 3 million geocaches, and they're all placed by users, unlike Pokemon Go, which is run by Niantic. So users can go out, and they can put them in certain areas and hiding spots, so they're really in control of it, and there's, like, actually a physical container that you find, you sign a log and things like that, and there's little trinkets and, uh, you know, games inside of the game. But there's, like, crazy ones that you can go get. Like, we found one in 
Costa Rica that was like in like hot springs and like then like other like caves and caverns and stuff like that. And there's some really crazy ones that I've seen that like are under these bridges, you have to like rappel down and like do all this crazy stuff. Um, there's water caches like under, you know, things like that, which is really crazy. So I think that Pokemon Go wants to get there and make these a destination like Pokemon Go tours and things like that. I'm sure where you're going out and doing Legendaries. I think there's real potential there. I think it'd be pretty yeah. cool. But you're on the right yeah. track. But, you know, Pogo matters a whole lot because even still to this day, I get on the bus and people are Pogoing and, and capturing Pokemon. I'm walking around the Microsoft campus getting a whole bunch of um, Weedles and a bunch of, like, you know, critters that don't matter. But honestly, Danny, it doesn't matter because there are people playing 22,000 games, games of chess. chess. And daily. by the way, he, he is not the record holder. Probably the record holder on the site. You just made me think about his... His profile is the one, the only, the legendary GM Joey. He is known in the chess circles as um, just an absolute legend. Um, he is uh, um, apparently as you his, look up the profile. I'm looking up the profile. Apparently, his account was closed. Whoa, legend! <laughs> so legendary that you can't even so find him anymore. I didn't even. How many games is he? Wow. Um, GM Joey has been made fun of a lot by yours truly and others because he doesn't have the best chess ethics. Um, I don't even know why his account was closed. This is seriously hilarious, like impromptu comedy here. His account's been I'm going to look into this. Um, I don't know if he voluntarily closed it or if it was closed for some sort of abuse violation on our site. I'm not going to get into that. What I am going to say is GM Joey has, I'm pretty sure that the numbers were over 150,000 games played. They were like oh 160,000 games played. So truly. Which is, Chess matters yeah. to a lot of people. <laughs> Clearly, chess matters to a lot of people. And we're talking the addiction thing. GM Joey is um, has uh, has been around for a long time. But the, you know, the thing I wanted to talk about this week is because by the time um, we don't even have time in our next week's podcast, that we will already be back in full swing. So I just wanted to say that you know, if you're wondering what chess has come to and what the broadcast, what the experience is like as you watch two of the best chess players on the planet go at it and commentary that's both instructive and entertaining and when I have my way leaves you hanging. That's what the Speech Chess Championship is all about. And in August, we have four matches. Um, I know this is now sounding like a full advertise. That's not even the goal. I just like, I'm so excited, dude. We had no <laughs> Speech Chess Championships in June or July. The last match we had was in May. This is when the gloves come off. We are getting closer and closer to chess.com Super Bowl. Mm. Which is going to be the the one on one? Who's going to make it through this bracket of like twelve of the world's top sixteen players? Right, Magnus Carlsen, all these guys. And so the speech chess championship match kicks off again in August. It's been a cup. We basically took the summer off. Um, and um, I'll put some links in here to some of the information. But we've got you know we've just got huge names. Ho Yifan is playing in August. She's the women's world champion. Um, she's honestly the, a big underdog in her match against Fabiana Caruana, who's uh, back to being the world number two behind Magnus Carlsen. So, um, you got some heavy anyway, hitters in that, here. Yeah. That, yeah, no, it's literally the speeches championship is the bee's knees. I mean, it is like it, last year we did it. It was the GM blitz battles, but the speeches championship, I'll even put a link to our promo video that kind of explains it. Um, you see me in front of a green screen and you know, who doesn't love green screens? Um, and I got to say, I've been looking currently at the top title players and Nakamura top on chess.com for both Blitz and Bullet. Yeah, that's usually where he is. The yeah. only times that someone gets him is usually when our algorithm, see, our algorithm is designed to only show people who are actively playing. And Hikaru mm. plays more chess online actively than like a lot pretty of much any yeah. super champ. But, but, you know, when he's playing in major events and he's on site for a couple of weeks and he's focused and playing in, you know, an OTB and over the board event, yeah. um, 
you know, he's he's more uh, focused there, so he kind of might drop. But for the most part, he's pretty much the best online blitz and bullet player on the planet. So, and will he be playing in the? He'll be playing in the speed chess championship, correct? Yes. No, he already played his first round. He won. He kicked off the whole thing in the beginning of May before our podcast started. He won his match. No, that's right. Uh, kind of going away. Um, so he has already moved on to the second round. It is a 16 player bracket. Uh, you know, basically imagine March Madness. It starts with the Sweet 16. So basically the, the bracket is broken down. Uh, the number one seed is, of course, Magnus Carlsen. Hikaru Nakamura is number two. Sergey Karyakin, who was the world championship challenger, if you remember all my videos, right? Mm-hmm, He's mm-hmm. played number three. Uh, number four is Maxime Vache Le Grave, who's the number one in France, number five in the world. Um, it goes down, but anyway, the, the best players on the planet all play the speech chess championship. It's, it's our baby. It's my pride and joy in case you can't hear by my, the tone of my voice. Um, <laughs> and it's what I do. That's like literally, that's our bread and butter. And I'm so excited that we're back. I've been doing too much other, you know, shenanigans in the summer. It's time to get down to it. Let's let the gloves come off. Let's watch a couple of super GMs beat the living tar out of each other. <laughs> Let's make some awkward jokes. Let's use some bad accents. Let's watch chess and have fun. That's what I I'm about. It. So I love it. I love. It. I can't wait. I, I, you know, I love. I love speed chess. It's one of my favorite things to watch. And I love. I'm. I'm excited for the commentary afterwards. To be honest with you, so I'm. I'm excited to, for the breakdown and and how this thing is going to unravel itself over the next few months. So yeah, and we'll put some links it's into the show notes. For yeah, sure. yeah. I'll yeah. definitely fill up with some links. All right, a few more things before we get out of here. You know what's my favorite section, which is Mott's Essen. Mott's in the National Master. He asked this master a question. He could be a GM one day because he's <laughs> a 2,500 now. Um, and that's the question, right? No, the question is, so we got some great listener feedback, even more. And sometimes I get confused by these questions because sometimes I just don't know the terminology, right? Not only right. do I sometimes not know opening moves, but I like the the culture, the terminology around it that I'm still learning about this world of chess. The more and more that we do this podcast, the more and more I probably play chess i'm actually learning more what i wanted to ask you was kelly wrote in kelly one of our super fans of the show um wrote in and was asking about gm norms and these norms count like i I was like is norm a person is like normal i I didn't know yeah it's norm uh norm sanchez he lives down the street yeah he's Ah, a good guy good norm good fella Yep. What what is am I missing out on? What is this norm thing? So I don't understand. Norm, this is a, I don't even know what norm is short for. I always thought it was short for performance, but then I did mm. the letter math in my head. You know, sometimes you do letter math, yeah. and I realized the letter math on norm being short for performance was a little off. Um, but le, le, a norm is so in chess, the highest titles you can achieve, and and the two titles that people consider the professional chess titles are Grandmaster and International Master. Uh, first of all, quick pro tip, Grandmaster is actually short for International Grandmaster because, mm. you know, once you're a Grandmaster, I mean, you don't, dro- you don't drop the international aspect of it. And, you know, the international part is sort of included, but Grandmaster for short. A, a, a norm is something you get based on a performance that you had in an event that was elite and sort of like a category one tournament. What that means is the average rating of all the players in the tournament was a certain amount and you had to score a performance of a plus, you know, plus three score against that field in order to earn a norm. Now, the reason this is important is because the, um, 
The titles that you achieve in chess are based on both rating, which is a representation of your consistency and your overall like chess skill, right? So recently I crossed 2,500 um, in my rating and that is the rating you need to be. You have to at least have crossed 2,500 to ever be considered for a GM. And that's kind of what led to Kelly's question. But I actually do not have any GM norms at this time because, you know, again, like I was joking, I kind of accidentally crossed 2,500 to be a... To be a grandmaster, you have to be there, and then you have to um, get three grandmaster norms. Mm. A norm is something you would achieve by playing in it. It has to be an international tournament, first of all, which means there has to be a certain amount of people from all over the world. At least their federation needs to be of foreign countries. Um, that prevents people from just orchestrating an event with all their local buddies to lose to them. Okay, Got it, got it. The second thing is the ra- the average rating in the field has to be like, for, for a GM norm, it has to be, you have to be scoring a, a score that usually ends up representing your performance to be around 2,600. So you sort of have to overperform the GM rating strength in this tournament, right? Um, and so an example would be this. If you played in a tournament where the average rating was 2,500, you would mm-hmm. need to score six out of nine, which is a plus three score because four and a half is 500 out of nine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that would put your performance at usually about 2,600. Okay. okay got it. So that's it. like the so that would be a norm. You have to do that a minimum of 3 times to become a grandmaster in addition to reaching the rating. Now I've actually done this for international master. For international master it was the same, but it was but it's 2400. So when got I got it. my I am title, I had already crossed 2400, but I also had to perform at a six and a half or sorry, 6 out of 9 level, a 2500 rating performance. Um, against an average rating of 2,400. That's the best way to describe it. And I did okay, that. I mean, I've done that like multiple times now, like many more than three times. I don't even know how many IM norms <laughs> I have total, but, but it's a, it's a good performance, right? I mean, I don't have, yeah. I don't have dozens. I maybe have like 10, right? Because yeah. that's a good tournament. I mean, if you're scoring six out of nine against an average rating of, of 2,400, which is a 2,500 performance rating to like get an IM norm. I mean, yeah. that's a strong well, tournament, that's, right? Yeah, that's like, a, yeah. Yeah, you showed you're, you're, up. You're basically overperforming your own rating, right? Hmm. So you have to to become a. That's why people consider IM and GM the only truly professional titles because one, those are the only two titles that require norms. Every other title that you can get in chess, like just being considered a master, is only based on rating. It's reaching the twenty two hundred threshold. Um. So, and then if you, because that means technically, if you go back below twenty two hundred, which people do, you can lose the master title. So the Got only it. titles that once you achieve them, you can never lose for life are the IM and GM titles, and it's because the requirements are so rigorous. God, that makes so sense. That go. makes sense. God. Consider, like okay. I said, consider an IM somebody who's made the professional level, but like I got drafted in the NBA and maybe sat on the bench for a few years, right? I mean, that's kind of <laughs> like somebody who made like division one level, like professional level, but was never a star. Like a grandmaster is someone who has had like a decent NBA career. And then a super GM would be somebody in the Magnus special where you look at somebody who you would compare to like, okay, this was an all-star player for X many, X many years in the chess world. And Maybe some of them even reached like the world championship level or the level of being considered, you know, one of the best players of all time. That that's like my MB. That's my that's my comparison for people outside the chess world where they can kind of swallow it. Okay, so Danny made this level of like a professional player who kind of got drafted, had a good D one career, maybe sat on the bench, got in some games, but he was never really like a consistent performing, you know, grandmaster yeah. level professional because I went a different route. I mean, I'm a obviously I'm a chess. I'm a chess communicator for a living. That's why I'm doing stuff like this, right? I mean, so it's a different, you know, but that that would be the comparison, I would say. 
Got it. Got it. For anyone that is uh, into the sports ball, that is your analogy. Sports I like ball. that. Sports <laughs> okay. ball. Little sports ball. You can do the tech comparison if you want. I mean, nobody's quite at your All level. Right. You're doing keynote speeches <laughs> for Microsoft. That's a that's a category by itself. But you get it, right? No, you're. I, I would it. say you're a grandmaster it. level in the tech world. You know. <laughs> Thank you. Try, trying to become a super GM. That's right. The you're 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 trying to become a super GM right now. You're performing at a consistent grandmaster level. I love it. I love it. Oh my goodness. All right, buddy. I, I love it. This has been, I don't know, every, every week, so much fun. Um, I love that everyone is writing in, going to blunders.fm, sending us some great feedback. We've asked a lot of great things on here. And in fact, we even have our listeners telling us about how to do promotion for our own show. Kelly wrote in as well. Kelly, every week writing in great stuff, told us to put ourselves on the podcast awards at podcastawards.com and the nominations that anyone, any of our listeners can go to and you can go and vote for us over there until July 31st. Only a few days left once this comes out, but uh, we're in the the games and hobbies. So if you want to go over to podcastawards.com, we'll put in the show notes. You can actually vote for us, which is super awesome. I didn't even know. Uh, We would love it. Yeah, I had no idea either until one of our listeners told us, which is so cool. Um, I love this stuff, and I even put our my other podcast in there too. So a lot of cool stuff. There's been like ESPN and other stuff in there too. So like really cool stuff in there. So go check that out. Um, yeah, uh, I'm so excited to watch this um, speech chat stuff. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just so jazzed. I cannot wait. It, so. it is going to be fun. I mean, yeah. seriously, it's fun, right? And, and it, it, yeah. obviously, we may not have the same thing we had with So and Gary for those who missed it. The end of May, and in fact, I'll even put a link here in the YouTube. Uh, uh, put, look for a link here in the show notes, everybody, to the YouTube replay. But the the So versus Gary death match. I'm not even going to tell you the ending because uh, if you actually decided to commit the four hours of your life, or even, you know what, do? Click this link, everybody, and go watch the last 10, 15 minutes. Do yourself that favor, and you will see that chess can be exciting. These are... Uh, Wesley So at the time of this match was number two in the world. He's still number three. Anish Giri is the number one player from the Netherlands. I think he's number seven overall in the world right now. These This match went to overtime, and I won't tell you who won. So for those of you who haven't watched <laughs> it, go check it out. Ah, I'm excited. I will send. I will put those links into the show notes. Well, buddy, you have an amazing week. Have a great end of July. Crush it. Um, one day, maybe you'll get to the 22,000 games. You know, I'm just saying. I, I, we all have something to shoot for. I, I don't. I don't. I think I probably have a better chance of reaching 22,000 games than becoming a GM, mainly because of the lifestyle commitment. I spend a lot more time on the computer, but it's fun. I really do. You know, I, I, I would love to play more chess. It was such a, it was such a good experience to get that meditation on, get your brain clicking. You know, it's yeah. like, it's like it. when you're just writing code and you're not talking about how to write code, right? It's, it's like when you day. just kind of get in feeling. there. Yeah. That's what we both need. I think we both could use a little more of that. Let's let's do a meetup where you write code and I play chess, and then we just look at each other I mean, across the room every five minutes and smile, and they and they go back to what we're doing, right? I love it. I'm in. I'm in. I'm coming up there. I'm doing it and going down there. I guess I'm about it. All right, buddy. I'm gonna right, go back buddy. to work. I'm gonna go crush some code myself over here. Go crush some chess. It's been so much fun. I love you so much, buddy. Yo, have a good one. All right.